Live from the Coachella Valley, time for another hour of the desert scene. Art exhibitions to modernism, music festivals to live theater, big screen, little screen, and very little screen. This is the Culture Corner with Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. And we're back on the Culture Corner, and I'm now so excited to welcome to our show uh, my buddy, Kitty Murray Walensky, who is doing a, I can't wait to see this, I'm sure going to be, you think it's hot outside, I think this show's going to be hot too, with um, Siobhan Vlarda, who's Pat, my bosom buddy, called Hell on Heels at Runway. Hey Kitty, how are you? I'm good, honey, how are you? Good, so are you guys all ready? Well, we're as ready as we, we can be at this point. We better be, but who knows? So tell tell people give us give people a feel of of what the show is going to be like. Well, um, we you know we run the gamut as far as genres of music. You know, mm-hmm. there's we do so much. I I'm more of the jazz big band, and mm-hmm. she's more of the show tune. And then we've got a little uh, naughty but nice. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> tunes in there and yeah. we do several uh, costume changes and we do have a choreographer Joe mm-hmm. Jamalva Excellent. who I worked with years ago uh-huh. and he's helping us with uh, some choreography so it's kind of a full gamut of everything you know so talk you've I know you've had a long career tell us a little bit about you know your your start where are you from originally I don't even know that I was born in Hollywood California and uh-huh. raised raised in LA okay so. all right so you started pretty and I started pretty- Young. I started singing and dancing right out of high school uh, mm-hmm. on the Tomorrowland stage at Disneyland. Okay. And then from there, I went right into Las Vegas, and I performed at the Frontier Hotel with Phil Harris and Harry James. Wow. Desert Inn with uh, Frankie Avalon and Kay Ballard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Toured with Engelbert Humperdinck for seven months. Wow. Tom, Tom Jones for five months. Oh, my God. I'm so envious of that. I love Tom huh? Jones. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I... Um, a USO tour with Bob Hope. Uh-huh. We, we did a lot of television. We worked with Bobby Dare. I mean, we worked with so many people back in the day, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. When when Vegas was just the one strip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just so much fun. And you know, we were so young back then that it was like, okay, this is our job. Da 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 da. We yeah. weren't really thinking about what we were really doing, you know. Yeah. And so, anyway, it was fun. Now, did you have so? Did you have support from your family? Were they? It was your whole family showbiz oriented, or did they support this? You're going down this road. My mother and father were both singers, and mm-hmm. they they had a quartet in the army. They were both in the army, mm-hmm. so of course they were yeah. totally behind me. Excellent. Totally. They went to every performance I ever performed where they could go. <laughs> wow. Now, do you do you have siblings? Are they uh, performers also? I have two sisters. I'm the middle, and no, they don't perform. I'm the middle, too. You Interesting. are. I think there's a lot of middle kids who are performers because sometimes you get lost in the shuffle, and you want some more <laughs> attention, and being on stage gets you there. So um, so tell me about you. Uh, did you did you also study acting, singing, dancing along the way? All, all the time, yes. I started young, and we worked with the best choreographers, the best arrangers. We were so fortunate mm-hmm. uh, to have the best of the best, and we worked, you know, all over the world. Yeah. All over the world. When, again, we were just young, and we were very fortunate. Now, t- you got to tell me a little about Tom Jones. I, I just adore Tom Jones. I just think he's very hot, even even however old he's now, 70, whatever he is. There's a lot of women that agree with me. I mean, did, was he fun to work with? Oh, he was a 
complete doll. Yeah. And he's very humble and shy. Okay. And he would go on stage and he would just sing from his toes. Yeah. And he'd be a wet rag when he was done, and they'd just whisk him off stage and throw him in the shower. Wow, wow. <laughs> I mean, but he was the nicest guy. Yeah. Just the nicest. How about Bob Hope? What, what was he like to work with? I loved Bob Hope when, yeah. I, when I found out we were touring with him, because I always watched him as a kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was so excited to, to work with him, and he was a dream. Yeah. I mean, we were so fortunate to work with really nice people. Yeah. So, yeah, so I mean, yeah, you somebody that was born in Hollywood, California, grew up in LA, did all this, but you have, I and mean, you don't have to name names unless you want to. But I mean, I mean, I'm sure you have to would have run into people along the way occasionally who weren't so much fun to work with. I'm guessing. You know what? There were two that uh, I can think of, and I can name names because they're not here anymore. Okay, sure. All right, then <laughs> you that's want fine. Me to name names. Sure. One, we worked with Marty Allen. Okay. And did a whole big show with him, and he wasn't the greatest. Okay. And Diane Carroll. <gasps> Diane Carroll was not nice to us. We had the same manager, the group that I was with, uh-huh. and he brought her into the Playboy Club in Century City to see us. Mm-hmm. And she was just awful. I'm so disappointed to hear that. And then we did, a te- we did a television show with her, and she was the same way. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Because I, I, I once interviewed her uh, on the radio you a few did? years back, yeah, before she passed. I am so disappointed to hear that. Oh. Well, we were disappointed because we didn't do anything. When yeah. We, you know, yeah. Just uh, oh. nice to us for some reason. So, so tell me about your, your personal style as a performer. How would you describe that? I think because I grew up with big band and harmony, mm-hmm. really close harmony and jazz, that's my style. Mm-hmm. Although I love singing all of it. I mm-hmm. mean, I do, I've sung all of it, but I always kind of, you know, lean towards that because that was playing throughout my house when I was a little girl. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what I, that's my soul, I think. Mm-hmm. A couple of questions I always like to ask because I've had so many performers, so many singers on this show. Um, who do you like to listen to when you have time off? Who do you like to listen to? Who's, who inspires you? Oh, my gosh. So many people, people that you probably haven't even heard of. Um, well, I love Bobby Caldwell. You've heard mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. He's one of my favorites. We've seen him so many times. Um, I love a, a, this gal named Marilyn Scott. She's this great. I know who she is. Oh, she's she, fabulous. I love her. Yeah. I just love her. Yeah. And of course, Ella Fitzgerald mm-hmm. and, you know, all those wonderful people. I mean, there's so many great singers. Yeah. Yeah. So many great singers. It's hard to just pinpoint one yeah. for me. Yeah. Because I enjoy so many of them. Do you have, I love to ask this question, do you have any rituals, you know, lucky earrings, lucky socks, or, you know, prayer that you say before? Do you have any rituals that you do before performance? You know, we used to say merde. And okay. that was French for, you know what. I know what. Yes, I know what is French <laughs> for, for you. For some yeah. reason, that meant good luck. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, we'd always, we'd all, all hold hands and we'd say mirrored. But now I just, uh, I don't, I just think about I'm going on there and doing a good job. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just, as you get older, you know, it's yeah. different. Yeah. <laughs> A um, couple, couple other questions. First of all, um, when you go to say, I know it's been a pandemic and not people haven't been out that much, but when you have a time off, a day off, and you go see someone else, when you go see another performer, another singer in particular, what 
do you want to see? What do you look for in a performance from a, another singer? You know what I really prefer? And I mean, I've seen some fabulous singers, yeah. but I really want to see an all-around performance. In mm-hmm. other words, I don't, just don't want you to, to see you stand up there and sing. Yeah. I want to see you perform. And, yeah. You know, I've always liked that better. Yeah. Not to say that watching somebody that you love singing is a bad thing. No, it's a great thing. But for me, I want to be entertained completely. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, you, yeah, you feel like you're, they're reaching the audience. They're giving you a piece of their, their soul, and you know them a little bit better. Yeah. Yes. What is your feeling? I, I love hearing the answer to this. Uh, some people feel very strongly about it. What is your feeling about um, singers who occasionally close their eyes when they sing? I don't have a problem with that. I think that they're feeling it, unless mm-hmm. they just never open their eyes, yeah, and yeah. I think there's a problem. Because, <laughs> <laughs> And I think the problem, some people, I think some people do it because they're nervous, and they want to block, kind of block out the audience, and then that's a problem because you're not connecting. But yeah. I think, yeah, if you're in the middle of a song and you're really feeling something intensely and emotionally, I think it's okay. I mean, I've had some people who said, no, don't ever do it, don't ever do it. But I think it's okay now and then. Oh, it's okay, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do, have you ever had a, a, a like a really bad gaffe or embarrassing moment on stage that you want yes, to talk I about? Have. <laughs> was, I have, honey. And it was on the Sahara uh, stage. It was the lounge. And there was a bar between the stage and the audience. Mm-hmm. And w- I was wearing a bare midriff costume that way back when. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. And I had, I, I'm going to tell you this. I had socks stuffed in my bra because I wanted to make my chest look bigger. Okay. See, unlike you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm You're having... a lucky girl. <laughs> but I wasn't so lucky. So anyway, I had the socks <laughs> in my top, and the guys in the group leaned on me, and my top broke. <gasps> and I grabbed my chest, um, and I ran off stage. Oh, my and gosh. everybody just laughed. Yeah. Just laughed. And, of course, Wendy had to come off stage and help me because she had to pin me up. Yeah. But there was no way that was going to, uh, those socks were going to drop. <laughs> oh, so I was going to say, they, no one saw the socks. Okay. No. Okay. No. <laughs> priorities. Priorities. That's really important. I know. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about the show. So it's t- tonight, the Friday, Friday night, Saturday night. T- Friday night sold out, I understand, yep. correct? Mm-hmm. So a few tickets for tomorrow night. So tell people what they need to do if they want to get a ticket for tomorrow. They need to go on the website and purchase the ticket. Uh, I think Siobhan posted something today. Yeah. They need they, they need to do it like by tonight, I think, because yeah. they're not going to take uh any more reservations, I I don't think, um after tonight for mm-hmm. tomorrow. Uh you know, because there there's so many people now wanting to get in tonight. We can't they can't get in. Yeah. Yeah. See, you can't wait to the last minute, people. You can't I do know. that. And, and I guess that's a thing they do. So it's uh, it's twenty dollars. Uh, now, if you're but if you wait till if they have anything left for the door tomorrow, if there's anything left, you show up at the door. Then it's thirty dollars. Yeah, and that's cash. C- cash at the door. Collect. They don't add it to your tab. That's important for people to know. It's a separate thing. The right. ticket price and the and the, the food is really good and very reasonable. And uh, it's a great. If you haven't been there, it's a lovely, uh, intimate little place. It's up. It's on six eight three hundred Gay Resort Drive, which is actually if you're if you know where the revivals is on. 111 it's back behind that 
um, and it's it's a really fun. Line. Of course, the staff is wonderful. Eric, the owner, is wonderful. And you got uh, you guys are singing with tracks, correct? We are singing with tracks. Yeah. yeah. And Siobhan, if you guys don't know Siobhan, she's just oh a, a trip. She's five. She's very talented. Sing her b- butt off, and uh, just one of the most generous performers I've ever met. Uh, I, th- I think you feel the same heart. way. Yeah, I do. I just love her instantly. I had an yeah. instant connection with her. Yeah, I know you guys. Are you both. know, and we we just met. Yeah, we've only been together for two months, mm-hmm. and we've hardly had rehearsals. So, who knows what's going to happen tonight? Yeah, it, it could, anything could happen. Anything, and usually it does. Yeah. Uh, what do you do when you on downtime? What do you like to do on your downtime? I love to play golf. Okay. Uh, when it's nice when it's not 118 yeah, yeah, yeah. right right um are, are you a good golfer i'm a decent golfer because i used to go to, with a golf pro uh-huh. and so i i hit i didn't hit buckets of balls i hit hit bushels of balls okay so i'm okay. decent for a girl oh. okay what, what else and do you do you like to swim don't you i mean didn't, didn't i swim every day yes, yeah i do yeah. That's just part yeah. of my exercise. Yeah. Well, Kitty Murray Walensky, uh, the show is called Hell on Heels with Siobhan Velarde at Runway. Tonight's sold out. Still a few tickets tomorrow night. You better get there fast. Uh, just in case, the phone number is 760-537-7800. I can't wait to see it coming Saturday. Thank you so much for being I, here. You're I fabulous. thank you, honey, and I can't wait to see you tomorrow night. All right. Stay cool. Have a great show. All right. Thank we'll, you, baby. We'll be back <laughs> with more on the Culture Corner okay. in just a bit. The curtain rises on local and regional arts and entertainment. From music to theater, films to fine art, it's The Culture Corner. Get connected. Call 760-544-TALK. That's 760-544-8255. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. So there's been a kind of a small controversy. It's not a big one, but it sort of leads into a good discussion about I like to call it the what how much research is good enough for an interview now I wanted to talk to Bonnie about this because she's done plenty of interviewer uh, interviews so in this story William Zapka who plays uh, Johnny on Karate Kid and eventually is now the lead character of Cobra Kai in which it follows Johnny's journey after the Karate Kid movies and he was in an interview with Mark Marone who does WTF with Mark Marone and they talked about his life but for the most part he openly admits in the interview that he's never seen the Karate Kid movie the first one and he's been watching Cobra Kai but isn't finished with it but for the most part the interview was about other details Mm -hmm. so a lot of fans have been have been tweeting at him and talking to him about how they feel a little disappointed by his lack of research or at least that's what they are claiming that that's the main criticism even one saying I had to turn off the interview. It's like telling Francis Ford Coppola, you've never watched The Godfather, WTF. And Mark Marone has defended himself saying, you know, it's 
we just had a conversation. That was the point. Mm-hmm. And William Zapka went uh, went ahead and said that for the most part, it was a great conversation. It was one of the more deeper interviews, even if the guy didn't see Karate Kid. Mm-hmm. So he was fine with it. So I wanted to ask you, Bonnie, about how much research is enough, or at least your thoughts on this story, and or just in general, your thoughts on when you get a celebrity on, how much research is enough for a conversation and your thoughts on it. Cause I, I think in some ways you've called this like the Larry King method Mm-mm. of not. Yeah. Like, Cause Larry King was famous for saying he never did any research at all. Of course he somehow got away with it. But um, I, I think that's, a, it's a really interesting question. I think in that particular story, I'm not sure I would have been quite as honest as he was. <laughs> um, but again, with film and TV stuff, the, the, the interesting thing these days is you can like Google and go online or YouTube and find anything, even a snippet of something, even to watch, oh, yeah. you know, five, ten minutes of something it would be good. Um, I think some of it depends on the what what the interview is about. Is it about a movie, a video? Is it about a book? What you know? I haven't read every book of every person I've ever, but at least I have a synopsis, some talking points. I know what the title is and what it's basically about. Um, I think also sometimes it it depends on the skill of the interviewer, because if you if you have the basics, okay, on the person's name, the name of the movie, director or the book or the synopsis or whatever, and I have some talking points. But if you are a good interviewer. You can still have a great conversation with without necessarily having seen the entire movie, the entire book. I think it's good to do as much as you can. It, it certainly makes uh, the interview. But if you if you are a good interviewer and ask good questions, then the person can give you and the listener the information, some of the information that you might have gotten with more research. So I think it's it's a it's a balancing act. I think you should do as much as you can conceivably. Um, may not maybe not be quite that blatant and well i haven't never seen that now. um but develop your interviewing skills make sure you're asking good questions so you're still making it interesting for the audience you know i for my the few interviews i've done i've tried to do a lot of in, uh, research like the first interview i ever did was for uh jade pettyjean who starred in destroyer i did an interview uh, interview of her for flicks and picks the, sh- the show that i used to do and what I did was I saw Destroyer that same night and I went ahead before then. I watched a couple episodes of a TV show she was on and I watched like a little bit of a movie that she was on. Mm-hmm. And I did see the movie, the American Girl movie, which I thought was okay. But I, I, I realized that maybe she didn't want to really talk about that too much. So mm-hmm. I think in that case, I overprepared for it. And, and sometimes and then you can do that, too. Sometimes I, I have to can I tell you a really f- quick story about this uh, back in another station I was working on um, years ago uh, I did some research now that's the other thing is when you go on Google online sometimes the information isn't always accurate oh yeah that's true so uh, and he's, this person's no longer with us so I can speak too I interviewed on the phone Frank Sinatra Jr. Uh, who was going to headline at the uh, he's passed away now um, uh, who's going to headline at the Frank Sinatra Golf Tournament and I went online and googled all this stuff and one of the things of course I knew something about him anyway but one of the things that I was in the research online was that at a child he as a child he had studied the violin which I thought was interesting you know so he's on the phone he was a little prickly I was on the phone and I don't you know and I said at one point I said you know and now I understand as a child you studied the violin no <laughs> and it was like, oh 
I'm sorry, that I, it was in my way, because it, it was online, you know, and yeah, so yeah. I don't know what, you know, but so sometimes your research is wrong, and it depends on the person you're with. So it ended up being okay, but he was just a little prickly in general. But. And for me, like, I actually think I made a similar mistake on the interview, and I don't think if you went back and saw the interview, you might notice that I edited it out. Which, you know, a little dishonest, but it works. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I edited out the part where I asked Jade Pettyjohn, so you went to school for um, acting? And she said, I never went to school. I've never done any training. And I was like, oopsie daisy. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, you can hear me say oopsie daisy, yeah. my bad. <laughs> and I deleted that part. And I thought it was like, I, I laugh at it because, to be honest with you, like, I did over research. But I think uh, uh, some advice I'd give anybody who's interviewing or starting out like I was, I guess I still am. I would say to them, you know, don't over research. Like, do do some, some enough research. to ask some good questions. Yeah, yeah. and like I, I do believe, like in the case, like you said, it's a it's case by case on your skills. If you can carry on a conversation without seeing the movie, then do it. But if you have to do your research, yeah. and I think it doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt to just know yeah. who you're talking to. But Absolutely. hey, we have someone coming up. Yeah, a couple of filmmakers from the Short Fest coming up in just a bit. You're listening to Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Live from the desert cities of Southern California, here's Brian and Bonnie. And we're back on The Culture Corner, and we've got two filmmakers from the upcoming Short Fest, uh, June, Palm Springs Short Fest, June 22nd through the 28th at the Palm Springs Cultural Center. Uh, for tickets, you can call 760-322-2930 or go to psfest.org slash 2021-shortfest. First, we have Marlena Scrobe, who is the um, director of They Keep Quiet So We Make Noise, which sounds fascinating. Hi, Marlena. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you doing? Thanks so much for having me on. Sure. So tell us about your film. Yeah, absolutely. So They Keep Quiet, so We Make Noise is actually my first film. And it's a documentary short that follows environmental activists in Malaysia that are fighting to keep plastic pollution from taking over their town. Wow. And so uh, what, what made you decide to choose that as your, your topic? Yeah, I... In undergrad, I went to the University of Miami and I studied journalism and marine affairs, which I know sounds like sort of a a nebulous focus. But Mm -hmm. basically, I'm really fascinated with how people are connected to the environment Mm -hmm. and the inequities that arise with our dependence on the environment. And so I went to grad school at the University of Washington. Um, I'm here in Seattle and got a research position while I was a grad student studying waste theory and the global waste trade. Um, and to get really dive into the waste issue, uh, basically for years, the world, especially developed rich nations, were sending their plastic and waste to China to be so-called recycled. And then in 2018, China said, nope, not going to take that waste anymore. We can't really handle it. It's not working out. Mm -hmm. And that waste was sent elsewhere. And one of those locations was Malaysia. Wow. So all of a sudden, we have this influx of waste being smuggled in and at the time sent legally. So this one town started 
smelling the burnt plastic waste and they didn't know where it was coming from. And they found over 13,000 tons of waste that had been dumped in their small residential town. Wow. So, uh, so tell me about how many people are involved in the film. How what, how long a process was it? Is this your fir- is this your first film, or are you a veteran? This is my first film. I've worked in production for the past ten years as a casting director mm-hmm. and in the camera department as a film loader. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've you know had some experience working on other incredible projects, but this is my first film, and I made it with my life partner, who is the film cinematographer, Troy Dopperton, who will be joining me at the festival as well uh, this upcoming week. Yeah. And and is this, and I, I apologize, so is this a, a, a more of a documentary or is it a, it's a, a dramatic story? This is a documentary. Okay. We're going right. to be, yeah, we're going to be playing in the Doing My Part section okay. on Friday, June 25th um, with other great journalistic documentary films. Um, and we, to make the film, basically, Troy and I went to Malaysia um, two years ago and spent a few days with the activists, following them and learning about how they, you know, do their work, grassroots environmental justice. Mm-hmm. And then we edited it with their help because we wanted to make sure that the story we were telling was accurate, yeah, accurate and reflecting yeah. the issue that involved. Yeah, because yeah. it's definitely an ongoing issue. We're still sending plastic to Malaysia and other countries and you know they're still working really hard yeah was this uh the the whole experience was it uh tougher than you expected longer than you expected or how did the experience play out versus what you were expecting to make your own film Mm, that's a good question um you know we I tried not to have too many expectations I went to Malaysia also to I'm working on another film about plastic and I just wanted to learn about their struggles. I think the hardest part was, you know, we only had a few days with them just for logistical reasons. And I wanted to make sure we were doing their their story justice and getting information out that, you know, conveyed what they were going through, but hopefully will also help provide some change um, and improve their lives. And not just educate people, but I think really we need some strong political change in how we deal with waste and sort of the inequities that arise yeah. because of our mass consumption. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any any uh, pushback, anybody that wasn't too happy about you making this documentary? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are people that own recycling facilities that are illegally running in Malaysia and elsewhere, of course, but when we were filming, they were not happy about us mm-hmm. exposing what was going on. And I think, you know, we were on there for a few days. I think the activists put their lives on the line wow. every day. Yeah. And, you know, we have the privilege to come back and be safe here. And that's something I'm thinking about as well as more people are learning about their story. I just want to make sure that also everyone is safe, safe. as we tell their yeah. story. Yeah. You know? Wow. Well, they keep quiet, so we make noise. What a great title for this documentary. Uh, Marlena Scrobe, it's part of the Short Fest, PS Short Fest. Uh, psfest.org slash 2021-shortfest. We got, we've got another filmmaker on, so we've got to run here. But congratulations. That sounds like a wonderful project to take on, and I hope it does real well. Thank you so much for thank being here. Thank you so much. All right. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. All right. We're yeah. going to switch over to Cole Bacani, uh, and his film is called Everything Stays. Hi, Cole. How are you? Do we lose him? 
Uh-oh. Oh, I think we're going to go catch him. Did Let's we lose see. Cole? Let me go ahead and see if I can catch him. First. Okay. Cole Bacani, uh, and then it's the synopsis of his film, as the summer after high school graduation winds down, Gabe's cousins have one last chance to tie him down in Illinois, forcing Gabe to decide what's more important, his family or his future. So this, and it's in competition for young Cine- cineastas award like sounds sounds like young cinematographers award kind of thing uh we'll talk to him in just a second we have cole hi cole how are you oh. is cole there hi cole let's see cole? hi cole Cole, are you there oh, we lose him? oh yes i'm right here Th- there he is okay so uh welcome to the culture corner tell us a little bit about your film yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. My film is titled Everything Stays, and it's a dramatic narrative I wrote based off of my actual family, and it follows a character named Gabe, who's the first one in this giant Filipino-American family to really leave home. So all of his cousins are trying really hard to convince him to stay. And was this was this uh, autobiographical a little bit, did you say? <laughs> yeah, it's semi-autobiographical. I don't like to say it's completely autobiographical, because obviously it's a scripted piece of work but mm-hmm. a lot of it's based off of my actual life and being the first one in this giant family to really leave home to pursue some pretty big dreams out in LA so tell me about uh tell me about the cast and how did uh was it um a bigger pro- more work than you expected how long did it take or what was the experience like for you yeah it was a lot of fun so I just graduated from USC film school out in LA and we attempted to film this out in my hometown in Illinois last summer so didn't even know if it happened because of the pandemic, but luckily we found a lot of safe ways to make it happen. The Screen Actors Guild gave us some really nice guide, uh, safety guidelines to abide as well, which helped the whole cast and crew feel pretty safe during the pandemic. And yeah, we flew the whole crew out to my hometown where we casted pretty much like almost all of my cousins and a few real actors to <laughs> portray my family. And the real actors portrayed like me and like a few of my other cousins who had a lot of speaking roles, but. It was a lot of fun because those actors and the crew had to quarantine with my giant family for like a month. Wow. In one giant family by the end of the whole film. Now, I had... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Bonnie. Go ahead. You had a question or... No, No, go, go, Brian. So, I wanted to ask you, since you said that even though, like, it's a work of fiction and there's always biographical elements in a lot of filmmakers, you know, and all that. But so, I wanted to ask... I've always wanted to ask a filmmaker this, and I guess that's my opportunity to do so, but... (laughs) So, you actually have an actor who plays a character that is more or less a composite or based on you. So, I was curious, was there any acting decisions that the actor had made or any actor disagreements or discussions where you felt like you had to kind of step in and say, hey, that's that's not what I would do, or hey, this is what I would do? Or did you ever feel like a connection with the <laughs> actor, or something like that? Yeah, yeah, So actually finding the perfect person to portray the character that kind of was supposed to be me was the second hardest part outside of trying to shoot this during a pandemic because we went through so many different like Facebook groups, casting sites, and I wanted to make sure I actually found someone that I felt like could portray me. And, you know, by the end of it, the person I casted was someone who I felt like had a very similar personality. And, like, I'm always super collaborative with my actors. Like, I don't need to finish the dialogue, so I've, like, heard my actors say it their own way. So, um, yeah, never had any disagreements on set, and I think he did a really good job. Probably made me look cooler than I am in real life. <laughs> so, I, I was wondering, was your family 100% supportive of this project? Yeah, so, actually, you know, even though it's based off of this story where like the family really doesn't want to leave Illinois 
um, which is also very true. They're all really sad and trying to tie me down to the suburbs. But once I finally got out to LA and like started making films, they've always been my they were they were my biggest fans and still are. Tell me about the uh, in competition for young cineastas. Is that how you pronounce cineastas mm-hmm. award? I'm assuming that means basically young cinematographers. Kind of tell me about that. Yeah, it's it's exciting. Um, I got to meet a lot of the filmmakers, and it, it was exciting to see that a lot of them aren't my age. A lot of them are much older, so I'm excited to learn a lot from them and get to meet them and see their films and talk about their processes because. Um, yeah, it's not the first film I've directed, but like it's my first film that I've directed outside of college because I just graduated 2020. So I'm excited to meet a lot because also a lot of the filmmakers that I got to meet during a networking event at Palm Springs hosted mm-hmm. um, have had a few films in Palm Springs already. So I'm just excited to learn a lot from the filmmakers next week. Excellent. And so what? Um, um, tell me what? What are you in a certain category? There are different categories in Short Fest, correct, for the films. Right, yes. Uh, Everything Stays, our film is going to be screening Saturday, June 26th in the Things We Do for Love category. Interesting. Now, I I wanted to actually ask you, since I actually read about some of your influences, what are some lessons that you learned? Because I know that even in your Instagram, you said that you learned a lot from the film. What are some lessons you learned from some of your influences like Greta Gerwig and Lulu Wang? And some of the less, and how do they connect to the lessons you've learned while making the film? Like, I know it's easy to like look at a film by another filmmaker and say, "I want to do something like that" or something <laughs> like that. But what are some lessons yeah. you've learned, practical and through the f- ad- admiring uh, lessons in admiration and practicality, and do they intersect for you? Yeah, I think they totally intersect. But to kind of tackle the first part of your question, yeah, Lulu Wong and. Greta Gerwig are two of my biggest inspirations because they also made two very personal films. Greta directed Lady Bird and Lulu directed The Farewell, which are both based off of their actual lives, too. And, you know, I just found that, like, um, through their filmmaking and, like, other friends, that the more specific you can be about a story, the more relatable it ends up being to everybody else. So, you know, even, like, during the whole filmmaking process, I I let a lot of my cousins, like, ad-lib during a lot of the scenes and kind of just be themselves which made for, like, even more realistic scenes than I could ever write. Um, so it, the film ended up being a product of, like, um, improv from my cousins and them just being themselves. And, like, since the actors got to live with them a month beforehand, um, their chemistry on screen is all real. And, like, I would say, like, maybe a little under a half of it is kind of just them being together and us standing back and recording and then making sure we capture descriptive parts along the way. Well, Cole McConaughey, we wish you the best. Everything stays. Um, he's part of the Short Fest. Again, the website is psfest.org slash 2021-shortfest. Uh, it's at the Palm Springs Cultural Center, June 22nd through the 28th. Thank you also to Marlena Scrobe. Her film is They Keep Quiet, So We Make Noise. Congratulations to both you guys, and best of luck to you in the future. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me. All right, congratulations. Check out the short fest, you guys. There's so much going on in town. All right, we'll be back with more on the Culture Corner in a moment. You're listening to Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Here are Bonnie and Brian. 
Now we're moving on to the theater segment. We're going to talk a little bit about theater in this segment. The first yeah. person is Andrew Lloyd Webber. So Boris Johnson is apparently going to be talking to Andrew Lloyd Webber about opening up Cinderella. I know last week we talked about how Andrew Lloyd Webber was really wanting to open up Cinderella mm -hmm. for the whole world to see. But now, despite the lockdown delay, there's a good chance that they might just go ahead and proceed as planned and that Cinderella may, and this is still sex speculation, may become a pilot scheme to see where social if they can have a show without social distancing mm, so okay. i wanted to get your thoughts on this further development do you think that do, do you think that the government is doing for the uk government is showing preference toward andrew lloyd weber i think they are well it sounds i mean are they going to let any other theater person do this i mean the other director do it i mean uh, you know um, and uh, then, uh, Lund uh, England's numbers aren't that great right now. No, I don't think. Not. Right, and it's surprising because you because in England they were you know more or less like about as strict as us, mm -hmm. and so I was kind of surprised that they just went ahead and di uh, decided to just go ahead with it. And I think in my case, Andrew Lloyd Webber is one of those people that he does have the power to kind of be influential in England. Yeah. And yeah, you you got to wonder about that a little bit. Um, I don't know. That's a tough question. You know, it really is. I think for me, like, I would like to see an Andrew Lloyd Webber show succeed because I think he does good work sometimes, not always. But I, and I'm curious about Cinderella. But I also think like he, I I, I kind of wish he would hold off a little bit until other shows can do it. And I get that his shows are expensive and they require full capacity to make money. Mm -hmm. But I'm almost thinking that. Well, I I almost would hope that there'd be that a delay wouldn't hurt, you know. Just well, a and tiny again, delay. yeah, it's not like Andrew Lloyd Webber starving, and I don't know about the the people in his cast, but yeah, I mean, I uh, my I'm, I tend to agree that I don't think waiting a little longer would hurt that much. No, I agree with that, and. So another part of Broadway is the Nanny Musical is coming soon to Broadway. Fran Drescher. <laughs> That's exactly the person, the source yeah. of it. Fran Drescher said that a musical version of it is going to be coming very soon to Broadway. She hasn't given up any hints about it. But she said that there could be that there is a, that it's coming. That it's just it's going to be arriving soon. Mm -hmm. But there is going to be some t uh, some people speculated, but that it might not happen right when Broadway reopens, but that there'll be a period of time where that show will premiere, maybe a little bit mm -hmm. later down the line, maybe next year. But I wanted to get your thoughts. Do you think uh, The Nanny could work as a musical? You know, possibly. Uh, I mean, you never know. That's I mean, it's true. the kind of thing where it might work and surprise us all, or it could be a big bomb. I mean, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Like, um, who knew that a musical based on a pretty fairly standard um, history book called Hamilton. Oh, Hamilton. Nobody yeah. thought that was going to Yeah, I like cuz when I cuz yeah. when I read the book it was it was fairly standard bio yeah. uh, bio book and yeah. I thought, you know what? It's not a terrible book. It's just, you know, it's pretty typical for these types of historical books. And then the music was like this rap. Well, yeah, and the rap and you throw a rap musical about Alexander Hamilton. Really? I mean, I don't think anybody expected it to do what it, it's done. And in some cases, like, I think that there's been this tendency I've noticed recently that, um, from what I've noticed, is that there's been a trend towards something in the musical, like, <clears> some, 
blank property the, the musical, musical like, yeah yeah and so for me i'm not cynical about it anymore i used to be cynical like all oh, the a musical based on mean girls please and then it does really well mm. i'm musical based on spongebob squarepants which surprisingly is really relevant surprisingly well although there are some things like you know serious stuff like i i don't see Truman Capote's In Cold Blood, the musical. You know, when you're talking about <laughs> murder, I don't think that's going to happen. No, of course yeah. not. And even then, it would have to be satirical, almost yeah. like... Yeah. Or in the case of, like, Les Miserables, where it was serious, but part of the deal is that it is very emotional. It's historical, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the case of The Nanny, I'm, I think it has potential to be a musical. I I actually don't think the, the voice... Like whoever's going to play the Fran Drescher yeah. part, I don't think the voice is going to be a bothersome because like SpongeBob SquarePants is also famous for having not annoying but a certain kind of voice, mm-hmm. and yet the actor who plays SpongeBob and all the actors on Broadway have been able to do it. So I think that regardless of some concerns that may be plaguing that production, I think that there's a good chance it might be successful because it has a fan base, mm-hmm. and also because I think that the nanny. You know, if they can tell like one half hour stories, I think they can tell a whole musical. I think there might be a possibility. Yeah. And let's talk about this Places Please project. I love this. So Places Please project is going to be offering up to $500,000 in rent relief to New York City theater workers. So, and they don't define these by anything other than artists, designers, musicians, technicians, administrators. They will be giving out rental assistant grants to the workers who are currently living in New York. And even those who are leaving the city because of the pandemic and are struggling to come back. So, and do people have to apply for this? And then, do different people get different amounts? Do you know anything like that? I, th- I think the idea is that you apply for it and you sort of give, like, you get approved for a certain amount, a certain depending amount, on depending on where you're living and how much you pay and all that. Yeah. Yeah, and they're trying to. And the idea is that what happened was that a part of it was also that there was this donor. Uh, anonymous donor who actually decided to contribute more to the project so they decided to match dollar and then eventually went up to Mm 500,000 and I think this is great because I I think me and you have talked about the idea of legislation coming in and trying to give help towards these theater workers and I think because they work in theater we kind of they people laugh it off as well that's the job you picked right but it's so unfair because people who work in the arts should be able to eat and afford rent because and the other thing is and we've talked about this before in the pandemic or any serious time but you think about back in the depression when you especially if you're coming out of something like this one thing people need is entertainment and to be uplifted oh, yes. and to be and to think about something other than grim reality and these are the people that give it to you so and also i think it's great that they're giving money to people who don't live in new york because it's hard enough coming back i mean yeah. there's recently this controversy about the ceo of a corporation i'm not going to say it uh jp morgan who said if you live in another state and you work for me you have to come back to new york Mm -hmm. and it's very threatening and i like the fact that they understand that that this organization understands that these people have to come back to new york so Mm -hmm. they're giving them money to have them come back and be able to be comfortable and i think that's something that's been overlooked in pandemic assistance and i appreciate that so i really love this and 
I hope that if you if you live in New York and listening to the show and you're a theater actor, check it out. Check it out. You got to go it. apply. Apply because you never know if you, you never know how much help you can get. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much again to all of our guests: Donna Rolf, uh, Marlena Scrobe, Cole Bacani, and of course my buddy Kitty uh, Marie Walensky. Hope break a leg. Uh, thank you so much, everybody. Stay cool. Stay safe. Check on your pets. Don't walk your pets when it's this hot. Check on elderly neighbors. Stay cool. Stay safe. We'll see you next week. And be kind to someone this week. Yes. Have a great day, everybody. Mm